What up? This is Zach, and with me as always is Pac. What up, Pac? Hello. This week, we're going to be talking about our weeks. <laughs> and then, after that, we'll talk about a couple of our trade steps. I'll kind of go through those. It's fun to do. Um, so, yeah. How was your week, Pac? Pretty good. Let me pull it up real quick. Just pulling it up. Typing in my password. So, let's see. <clears throat> my IPO trade is doing well. Um, let's see before we're gone. Because I had a small dip where... Let's see. What was it? <clears throat> Anyways, I'm currently up 30% on it. Which is good. So from last, so that was about from <clears throat> last week a another so and so ten percent climb. So I'm gonna start moving up my stop loss with that. So because mm -hmm. um, my stop loss is now pretty low. My dividend capture is doing good. It let's see, it went up one point eight percent. It needs to go up about another. 1.8 to 2% for me to break even on it. Um, <clears throat> and then everything else is starting to recover, like the, the one that I kind of doubled down on. So I'm back in a pretty good place. So comparatively, so yeah, it's a pretty good week. My technical analysis paid off a little bit. So because where did that, where did that grow the past week? Up three percent, so it was. Yeah. Anyways, I feel good. It's working. It's working. I'm. <clears throat> I am calm. Er, than I was last week. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's good. How was your week? It was good. So started this week. It was a little bit weird because like the, or maybe that happened last week. I'm all jumbled up in my brain. But either way, I had to change a couple things on exiting my trade on Monday. And so I didn't I've my new target has been one point or yeah, one point five percent. Yeah. But I got one point one this week. Shameful. Which is, well, I just switched it so it would work, you know. <laughs> I'm getting one. Um and so that worked out for me. I was just I don't know. I'm just trying to stretch a little bit past the one, and then hopefully I can get a little further and further until mm -hmm. I'm the full five percent. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I'm working it in, making sure it, it happens. So yeah. Um, but I did. It is the same trade that I've been doing. Um, it was the first time that I felt like a little weird about it, and that was only because of yeah. It was like the week after Thanksgiving, like holiday stuff just in a different mindset i think yeah and i think yeah because the week prior thanksgiving had happened and the market closed early and it just and then it opened up for like a couple hours on friday and yeah we're it just like it just <clears throat> messed with me a little bit so uh i dealt with that if that makes sense yeah i dealt with it and it ended up working out fine, except for I had to change it so that it was 1.1 instead of 
which is okay. Yeah. I think it's on. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I had a good, a good trade, and I'm doing it again this week, of course. So <laughs> I yeah, we're actually recording this on Monday, and I already did it, but I'm not recording it till next week, or this weekend. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. We're gonna talk that was about, weird. Anyways, we're going to talk about <laughs> trade steps. Um, okay, who, who does these trade steps again, just as a reminder? Um, it is John F. Carter, and he wrote the book Mastering the Trade. And that's John where the Carter, trade, Mastering the Trade. That's where the trade steps are for, from. Trade step number? Nine, I nine. believe. If you come into trading with the idea of making big money, you are doomed when your account or when your accounts are blown out and your mindset oh this mindset is responsible most of the time i cannot wait didn't speak. we do that one last week actually i asked you before we we must have okay i'll go to the i next heard week. it i heard it differently sorry when you asked me before <laughs> uh we did we did this one last week too i'm lost okay 11 i think is where we're at okay that sounds hopefully better <laughs> Uh, if you focus on the money, you will start trying to impose your will upon the market in order to meet your financial needs. There is only one outcome for this scenario. You will hand over all your money to trade traders who are focused on protecting their risk and letting their winners run. Yas. One more time. Let's see. This is this is one of the things that I actually warn about a lot, right? Yeah, we talk <clears throat> about it, and that is to one one of the ways is to that we've talked about is to lower your financial needs, so that way you're not driven by a certain capital amount that you need, mm-hmm. right? So, well, we've put like for in my experience, I've put off a, like having a lot in order to trade, mm-hmm. do the things that I want to, and make sure that I can. Uh, keep doing that if that makes sense yeah um and we talked you did bring it up i want to say it was like five podcast four was it the self-imposed delayed gratification yeah delayed Um, gratification that would have been it was a while back it was a while back because it was i think august oh because that was when because that came from the meeting with the uh CEO of doTERRA mm-hmm. or whatever thing that he was pre- presentation <laughs> that I yeah. went to kind of thing um, yeah and that that has a lot to do with it and part of it is like attributes of what would be considered true wealth mm-hmm. because um, which is something that's always kind of been on my mind you know is like what what would you consider true wealth being and a lot of people I feel like would be uh, what is it money and lots of it yeah where that's not actually true wealth because that essentially it's whatever your your net asset net assets are mm-hmm. worth i don't know what i was my mouth was <laughs> trying to say there for a second um so you take your your debt versus what your current capital is kind mm-hmm. of thing and that you have like as far as your equity and a lot of people are negative and yeah. so technically that's not that's not considered wealthy wealthy is when or true wealth is if you ever have positive 
under those assets no matter what your situation is Mm -hmm. and that's something i think about as well i like to call it being rich as opposed to being wealthy Mm -hmm. right so most people want to be rich where they can have all the things that they want and show it off to people not necessarily like that but you get what i mean they have the things that they want yeah even though they're in basically in debt for it Mm -hmm. you know whereas like you said with wealth it's having more than what you need money wise which is awesome yeah i'd prefer to do um i've never i still to this point have never been in debt which is weird yeah most people i feel like so which they're what i'm going for (laughs) and this is one of the things that i'm like studying about want to do a lot of stuff with is is how to balance what is appropriate debt because mm-hmm. like we talked about a couple podcasts ago right not all that is bad yeah but too many people are uneducated about debt itself that they make a lot of mistakes kind mm-hmm. of thing so like i was talking with uh one of my friends yesterday who turns out is a lot cooler guy than i knew that's <laughs> scott oh right. okay um we hang out with him uh mm-hmm. And he did a, a 15 year loan on his house, which I was really impressed because he's, he's a pretty young guy, kind of like yeah. us, maybe a couple years older. Um, and the guy's really, really smart, too. Mm-hmm. But I, the reason why I was surprised is because not a lot of people do that smartly. Like, that is smart kind of thing. And as I was kind of explaining to him, where you see is you see a lot of people who they get the house that they can afford on a 30 year loan and then. They have this idea of, oh, well, I'll pay it off in 15, and then they do the 15-year loan, and mm-hmm. they're not properly budgeted for that extra cost kind of thing. Yeah. So, because it is smarter, but you don't see a lot of people do that, because what people would rather do is they'd rather do the 30-year and the bigger home as opposed to the 15-year and the smaller home. Yeah. Right? So, that that's where I was, like, really impressed, because that's, that's, to me, a smarter way of handling your debt. Mm-hmm. Well, when you take, how do I say this? When you take percentages and those deadlines and the amount of money, it's better if it's shorter. Yeah. And it's better, <clears throat> like you said, as opposed to having a bigger house or a small house with a smaller house, too. Yeah, because it, it is a smaller house. It's only like a three-bedroom three or something. but Which is, it, you know, who needs really more than that? Yeah. Unless you have like a big family, which we live in Utah, so we see that all the time but i feel like a lot of people are getting away from that well and and smaller homes are like increasing in value faster than larger homes yeah which is an interesting trend um that's more you know general housing market stuff you know Mm -hmm. not your average everyday stock market (laughs) yeah well that is like it either way it affects the market and we everybody knows because of the housing crisis how much Mm -hmm. that does affect the market um well and to go back actually to the ceo of doTERRA one of his things was that he paid off his home in five years it took a lot of work and mm -hmm. he essentially i think quadrupled his principal payment in order to do that which required him to so he worked a regular job and a side job and weekends so it was like he was working all the time to be able to do that because it was something that he wanted to do Mm -hmm. so it does take that kind of work ethic like you're probably not going to be able to do that with just a with most standard 40 hour 
yeah. weak jobs unless you kind of do the self-delayed gratification where you do get a smaller home that would allow you to be able to quadruple your principal payment so that way you could pay it off in five years mm-hmm. well and i feel like it just depends on people's how do i say this not just their like work ethic but the type of person you are in general because yeah. i don't know i feel like how do i say this correctly i'm a pretty lazy guy yeah would you agree <laughs> oh, I... is that the way to say that like i feel like i'll do my one job and i keep doing those things and i'm but i'm patient as well so therefore i'm like okay i'm being slow about it or yeah. whatever and then there are the people that are like no i'm not going to be slow about it i'm going to pay off my house in four, five years get th- extra jobs you know and it's just the type of person that like how do i say this i'm trying because i'm trying to accommodate everybody that's why i'm saying this if that makes sense people can choose to be who they want to be and do that type of work and i believe that regardless though the rule we're talking about is that self that delayed self gratification right yeah so with in this guy's case he you know he used all his time to do that and then later he had all that time back right yeah. whereas in my case i'm wasting a lot of time no um <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh I have a lot of it's gonna take me a longer time to do that because I'm not putting in that extra work at the same time, if yeah. that makes sense. And in pretty much it's what is the the value and the what you're willing to put in for that exactly. value. Because he is weighing multiple opportunities, right? Like, um, because I'm friends with his son, talking with his his son, mm-hmm. uh they didn't like they didn't have TV, they didn't go to the movies very often, like them going to the movies was just like insane mm-hmm. there was a lot of kids and i wouldn't want to pay for movies for like how many siblings does he have is it like seven or eight like yeah. the guy got a like has a lot of kids um i don't remember exactly how many i'm sure it's google <laughs> but yeah uh but he attributes that to him being able to then save up the capital to then start doTERRA and mm-hmm. create doTERRA is a debt-free company yeah so which is really good especially when we're talking a little bit about like you know companies like GE mm-hmm. which um, looking back on my report I would have rather have actually used Toys R Us as an example <laughs> that would have worked way better it would have worked way better and I didn't <laughs> think about it until after I wrote it and I told the teacher and she's like yeah probably but because um, that's exactly how Toys R Us went out of business was because they they leveraged the debt or well a hedge hedge fund company bought toys r us leveraged debt in order to drum up enough investment for to turn it profitable and it didn't work yeah and so they then had to sell it sell it right so um yeah that would have worked a lot better so anyways it by staying debt free or creating something that's debt free you kind of prevent any sort of inevitable Toys R Us from happening or GE where you grow too big, right? Because it's a lot easier to downsize or sell off assets kind of thing or manage growth when when you're not having this pressure cooker of debt. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think a lot of what we are looking at here is realistic expectations. Because like when you leverage as much as they did or... What am I trying to say? 
you can have a plan but you better make sure that plan works regardless of what situation you're in yeah because with all these types of debts the biggest issue we kind of see is oh yeah i used it to do this plan but it didn't work or i used it expecting the market to be the same you know if we want to go there yeah (laughs) the market to be the same but the market changed or in the case of both of the like you know ge toys r us well it's still the market technically i guess is the right way to say it but it's just the consumer availability people were going other places yep and it kind of leads you to one more thought too is um a principle of kind of avoiding leveraging with profit Mm -hmm. thing for a trader is don't buy anything with a profit off of a trade that you haven't cashed out with yet and by that i mean okay let's say you had a thousand dollar trade that went up 20 percent, right so 200 bucks okay black friday xbox and ps4s were on sale for 200 bucks and you're like oh cool well i have this trade it's profitable Mm -hmm. i'm gonna buy the xbox and then i'm gonna wait for it to go up a little more and then i'll sell it and i'll use that to pay off the xbox right that is very dangerous because (laughs) what could happen very well could happen is that it goes down and then now you've out used more of your budget so pretty much whatever is in your trading account belongs to your trading account 100 until, until you pull it out into your personal account you don't spend with that money theoretically or otherwise yeah right? that money is a tool until you pull out actual money and this is something <laughs> that i heard about i didn't do any follow-up stories on it but um when bitcoin was booming mm-hmm. people didn't want to sell their bitcoin to buy things because it was still going up and so yeah. what banks and other things did or certain services i don't necessarily know if they were big banks or like something they allowed allowed you to essentially leverage that one bitcoin at mm-hmm. that value so that way you could then purchase <laughs> what it is that you wanted but still hold on to the value of the bitcoin for it to go up well then what happens you know when right now when bitcoin crashes right you have to get rid of the lambo or whatever else Mm -hmm. right probably for less than what it's worth or then actually have to cash out like there's there's a lot of potential risk with that when i heard that i was like that is the dumbest thing because you're like oh yeah, I bought it with my theoretical money yeah. that has a theoretical value that I haven't even cashed out on yet. <laughs> well, we... Man, I could yell about Bitcoin and stuff forever, crypto. But honestly, like, the principle that we're trying to, I guess, stay on is, you know, the money, as long as it's in your account, is your tool. You use it. You work with it. Don't make plans with it until it's out. Uh, I kind of talked about trading in the moment. Yeah. But that goes along with that, right? Do what you can the moment you can do it, not with... How do I say this correctly? Don't be delusional about the future. Yeah. Because you can't predict it. (laughs) That's what I'm going for. And I don't know. I feel like that was one thing. My biggest thing I learned the first year I was trading... Mm Mm-hmm because i did like these long spread out trades um and most of the time they did work out but one at one point during the year i had a bunch of things still in holdings right after a really 
all like basically all my companies I was holding um, had a bad quarterly mm-hmm. and so all of it just like crashes <sighs> that still like hurts me to think about that's interesting <laughs> it's good to have that type of trauma so that I make sure never to do it again but um yeah it was because I was literally like oh I can just keep doing this three-month hold and it's gonna work every time and the fact is is I had to be watching it all the time I had to be paying attention to the markets and the things that were happening around it because in reality we never know if it's gonna work all the time we never know exactly what's gonna happen but you have to look for signs of things that are coming if that makes sense Um, yeah that's why I kind of have this weird philosophy of like I just sell before the quarterlies anyway and if they're gonna start going up I can just buy in like you know after yeah um i've just always been very paranoid about that because i just don't know (laughs) um it's just scary so yeah i don't know should we move to the next step yeah okay you looking at something yeah but okay go for it uh the okay i can read the best way to <laughs> minimize your risk is to not to, to trade. This is especially true during the uh, dol, doldrums between 11.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, if your stock or other markets aren't acting right, then don't trade them. Just sit and watch them and try to learn something. By doing this, you are being proactive in reducing your risk and protecting your capital. The most common problem with losing traders is that they feel that they always have to be in a trade. Um, I definitely agree with this. Um, One thing that I've... uh, I think the hardest thing for people to wrap around, wrap their head around... Is that that way you say that? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm in trading is a lot of it is taking in information and learning right yeah and so even though i finish a trade and i'm talking to you know people about it or whatever they'll be like so you're not doing anything now and it's like most of the time i'm like no i am still doing stuff i'm still paying attention to the market like that's where i'm getting my experience more so than the actual trades does that make sense yeah and so I think it's funny because like I'll talk to like some of my family and they'll be like so basically you just you finish your trade and you do nothing and I'm like no that's definitely not true what I do what I do is I keep learning and I pay attention to the things that I can't do or if I don't make the trade and I talk to them it's that same idea it's like oh so you did nothing it's like no I'm doing something it's just not you know I'm not actively trading right now and it's I feel like that's the biggest kind of like change from a normal job yeah that someone can have because it's like oh I'm actively working I'm actively doing something I'm getting money whereas with us we know we're gonna get money if we actively are studying doing those things we're still working it's just we're not seeing those profits from like from that moment if that makes sense see it later yeah um, that way when I see like a giant breakout I catch it you know 
or something like that. Um, or if I see something bad coming, I can catch something bad happening. Um, I can catch that too and make sure I don't lose money, which is why I adjusted my trade this week to only be 1.1 instead of 1.5. It worked. Perfect. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, and, and this is what it kind of gets to is something that also kind of relates to Forex a lot that I was having kind of trouble with is that there are slow spots in the market, mm-hmm. especially in Forex around different banks and stuff like that so like really you get like four prime hours mm-hmm. um maybe like maybe within each bank kind of thing like the worst the worst time to trade forex is five o'clock <laughs> yeah the banks are closed and there's only i think one bank opened and it might be australia mm-hmm. so there and so it doesn't pick start to pick up or another opportunity doesn't pick up until like nine ten o'clock and then it's okay and then you have um europe on at like 2 a.m and so then it's about an hour after each bank opens that's when you start to see a lot more volatility Mm -hmm. come in and then you'll see that volatility mainly on like where the two banks are open so it's like you'll see a lot more volatility when the europe between the euro and the usd when the European banks and the U.S. banks are open. And you'll see a lot more volatility with the Japanese yen and the euro when those two banks are just open, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like finding out that timing of when you're going to have the best trades for your strategy is hard. That does take work kind of thing. And that does kind of help eliminate a lot of risk and yeah like you were saying just because you're not trading during those hours doesn't mean you're not working 100%. during those other hours right well and it's we always talk about trying to have like this level um kind of be separate separated from our emotions while we trade right yeah and that's exactly how we do it we don't have to be in there we're not being impulsive we're not uh letting the weak parts of us mentally take control yeah. and trade for us we're watching we're waiting we're commiserating i'm just kidding that was <laughs> terrible but uh yeah, yeah we're like watch- i don't trade with my left hand <laughs> yeah we're watching and we're just chilling and figuring it out uh and by being able to do that you know study look and on top of that i think a good piece of advice and i've talked about this before on the podcast but um you know that was probably a bunch of episodes ago i think the best way to get experience as far as trading is being in the market for this very reason you don't know what the problem is you don't know what you're gonna miss you don't know there's a lot of things you don't know until you experience them or see them in the market that's why you constantly watch or pay attention to the trades you would have taken but you didn't take for whatever reason um when you lose you go back and you analyze everything yeah it's because the experience will change you and make you the trader that you can be you can do like how do i say this right always be studying right but the number one thing that's going to make you better is constantly being in the market and that doesn't mean necessarily having a trade-in but watching the market having a plan seeing if that would have worked right and i feel like a lot of people are like um always have a trade in you know or it's mm-hmm. like uh 
What's that old real estate knowledge? Always be closing. <laughs> Always be closing. Always be closing. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> no. It's not, especially where, okay, given my strategy, the IPO strategy that mm-hmm. I'm doing, right? No. I'm not always going to have a trade-in, <laughs> right? Like, it's I have a trade-in, and I keep it for as long as possible. And when other opportunities come up, but I can't be driven by, I need to have a stock now. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm doing that, you you should really look at a lot of IPOs, you know, for <laughs> your guys' sakes about, like, those drops and those. Mm-hmm. And they have a very high percentage of them dropping kind of thing so if i'm always looking for that next ipo i am not going to make money right so i'm but what i am doing is i'm constantly looking for my next trade that's more important than having the trade is looking for Mm -hmm. when your next trade is Mm -hmm. yeah definitely a uh what was i gonna say i was mesmerized um no (laughs) (laughs) no it's well just reiterating real quick it's just you don't know what problems you're going to run into until they're there especially because there's so many different strategies out there and for both of us we're developing um you know for me it's like i have a couple strategies but i normally just do a single strategy during the week right yeah um but i do look for the other ones and there's a reason i pay attention to uh um dividends to quarterlies to uh what's it called i want to say like what a retail trader would be looking at yeah (laughs) a newer one um just because those are the things i know affect my strategies and the things i want to be able to do in the future um and we plan for those so yeah um should we do one more yeah we can do one more okay okay there is no need to why can't I do this today? I can't read. <laughs> okay. There is no need to trade five days a week. Trade four days a week. And you will be sharper during the actual time you are trading. That's interesting. So, I, I to me, that brings to mind, what is the book called? It's about breaks. And... The science of timing or something um if any of you guys listen to npr <laughs> you guys can just google doug fabrizio radio west science of timing and i think it's that should pop it up for you anyways the science of breaks i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna see if i can find it real quick i think it's i think it's the science of timing okay and it has to do with breaks um So, but it, I don't really remember exactly what the name of the book is. But anyways, it goes into how you should be planning your day and according to uh, how your body is doing mentally, physically, and task. So, like, if you're the, like, a morning person and you're more active in the morning kind of thing, mm-hmm. then that's what you should be or that's the time that you should be spending for ideas and coming up with things and stuff like that but because if you use that time to then answer emails which can be very dull then you're not being the most productive person because 
then when you are going to be tired later on in the day, if that's when you're trying to come up with ideas and things, yeah. you're not going to be doing as good of a job at it. And breaks. So it used to be impressive years ago when people used to say, well, I put in 120 hours this week, right? And now people are like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> Yeah, you're on salary. You're not getting anything more. Like it used to be, like this testament to how hard of a worker they are, but like mm -hmm. how many hours they work. But we're starting to value more of the f efficiency and productivity. And so when nowadays when people are like, oh well, I don't take breaks when I work at work or when I'm at work, right? Like that shouldn't be impressive anymore. Yeah, because we're learning that when you take breaks and when you take time to not do things. You become more effective at doing it. You're able to plan and break out your day better. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I like the whole trade four days a week, right? You have break it up, have your plan. And that fifth day, and that could, necess that could also be kind of a planning day, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is the day that I don't feel like my trades or, you know, whatever do as well. So I'm not going to trade that day. I'm going to give myself that break. But I'm going to either relax or plan or spend some other mental energy somewhere else that's going to help me focus better on the other four days. Yeah. Well, and I find that for me, I actually trade better when I'm trading, when I'm doing it on less days. Mm -hmm. So I used to trade like, you know, uh, five days a week, like constantly looking, studying, watching my trades, deciding if I'm going in or going out, you know. Now I've more developed a plan where basically I'm like actively looking at the market for like two days. And then other than that, like I check in mm -hmm. and I study stuff for the other uh, the other parts of the week, uh, which is interesting because I feel like I'm actually like I've, I feel like I've done very well for a long time. But I feel like now it's like strangely, I just feel like I can do other things, you know, and it takes that extra like stress that could push me over the edge or make me do make like a a bad decision away if that makes sense okay so. i found it so what is it daniel pink is the author of the book and the book is called when the scientific secrets of perfect time whoa and so and this is pretty much the preface for the radio show kind of thing that they have so um it's the writer Daniel Pink says timing is a science and knowing how it works can make us better at our jobs and more creative. It's not just about doing the things we do, but knowing when. Mm -hmm. And it's a really interesting show. I, I love NPR. It's fine, guys. <laughs> Don't judge me. I will take it to you 100%. Anyways. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that that is important to not stretch yourself up um certain firms that would like that you would be trading for kind of thing or like a part of they're going to want you to trade five days a week probably i feel like when i whenever i'm reading like a trading book or something it's always like the person who made it up to being like the big wig wherever they're at you know or yeah. they started their own yeah thing you know and they always are like i set my trades then i leave <laughs> type right of thing every time you know, unless like there are some that are like I all I do is study companies and make trades, and it's like okay, that's fine. But like most of them are like, no, I I have my set strategy and the things I do, I set it and I leave. 
Which, wow, that sounds like a commercial for something. Kind of. Like a nice infomercial. Well, but it's true though, right? Because that those are some, some people that have that timing mm-hmm. down, right? They know when to trade. Where Exactly. So I can kind of agree where starting out, like you said, you get in the market, right? Trade five days. Mm-hmm. Be in it as much as possible because you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. Like that's where you're staring at the computer for 14 hours straight and just being like, I think it's going up. (laughs) Well, there is definitely in the beginning this like duh period of like, it's always moving. And it's like, but is it really? I can make money off of every movement. Right. And then you're like, yeah. Right. And so then those (laughs) big managers, they know when to trade. And some of them can trade whenever they want because, especially in Forex, because they know what currencies to trade at certain times. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be trading Euro USD 24 hours, right? So they're going to be doing that during this hour, that during this hour, and so on and so forth, right? So it takes time to be able to really get that and understand mm-hmm. that. But once you understand that, definitely scale back. Yeah. Well, like, the simplest thing like that I can like, what am I trying to say? The simplest like timing idea we can like talk about is, you know, in the morning, there's probably the most movement because that's when everybody sets their trades. You know? So, yeah. Like in the morning, like even from the get go, like, or actually, if you just go to like to YouTube and you type in any who someone who wants to be a trading guru, there's yeah. a million now, you know, right. who cares who it is? Type it in. They're normally probably making their trades in the morning. And they're talking about how, like, oh, I woke up, I did this studying just before market open, blah, blah, blah. And that's just, like, the first, I want to say that's, like, the starting idea of the concept. There's a lot of movement in the morning because that's when people set their trades. Yeah. Well, and more volatility is going to go in throughout the day. And that can either be for the the better or for Mm -hmm. the worst, right? Because more volatility can mean that as the day goes on, more and more people are pulling out stock or putting in stock. Yeah. So it's kind of like if it's going to go up, morning is usually the better place to put in. Definitely. Right? If it's going to go down, the morning is usually the best time to exit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, I don't know. It's just, I want to say that's like a basic way of looking at it. Whereas you go on, you can kind of get like i remember earlier on in the podcast i would talk about like the times between uh i want to say like nine and lunchtime yeah be like those are good times to trade lunch everybody's at lunch (laughs) right (laughs) basically is what it was for me um but um honestly there was a lot of assuming in my brain at that time it was my lunch everybody everybody eats lunch everybody eats lunch at noon utah noon (laughs) (laughs) like really no um i feel like just in the morning people make more trades so right uh and then as the day goes on it slows down and i should have like just been like oh okay that's how that works but i was like no it's lunchtime it's always lunch i don't know it's just a silly thing that i kind of picked up and kind of realized isn't um isn't necessarily true what i'm getting at yeah 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 what are we what should we do now whenever we want i don't care okay you can end it here if you want 
Yeah, 40 minutes, that's fine. That's fine. We've been doing that lately, right? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> what can I say? When you talk about stocks for so long, you know... I feel like we talk kinda... about a lot of the same stuff now. I want... We need to... I, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll keep doing it. <laughs> we'll figure out some new stuff. I'm boring now. Um, hey, that's something else <laughs> that we've talked about. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's become a normal job yes um yeah peace out all right we'll see you next week guys thanks